Merry Christmas. Indeed, a great joy to come on the solemn feast of the Nativity of our Lord, rejoicing in the fact that the Word has come to dwell among us. Emmanuel, God with us, has arrived. Lift up our hearts to fill them with joy, to fill them with hope and with peace. Indeed, it is a most wonderful feast to celebrate this day. I was reflecting uh, each year as we come in, you know, we have a tradition of bringing in the infant Jesus at the Vigil Mass to be able to place him in the crib and to, to bless the nativity scene. And we did so again last night, and I was reflecting how the, the statue of our blessed Lord that we have is, is kind of an older one. It's, it's clearly not a new one. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. But it reminded me of, of other things that are uh, older and began to think about those things as well. And I was reminded of this, the reality, uh, specifically on, on Friday evening, we're having our, our family gathering for, for the holidays. And I heard the familiar phrase that comes up at such gatherings where myself and my two sisters are at my parents' house. And it goes something like this. Mom, when you're not here anymore, can I have this? This is a common thing, and I don't know if it is in your family or not, but I know in my own grandmother's house, when we go to Granny's house, anything that was in the house, typically if you flipped it over, there was a piece of masking tape and someone's name on it. And that's who it belonged to when she wasn't with us anymore. I've got three frogs and a BB gun to my credit on that account. But there's this reality that there are times where those who have gone before us that that we treasure certain things that they possess, that we desire them, that we long to receive them, that we can even be so bold as to request them and anticipate their death, that we rejoice to receive these things, and we, and we hold on to them as a memory of those who have gone before us, a blessing. And so we recognize that there are these gifts that we can receive from those who have gone before us, that we desire, that we seek after, but I was also reminded of an article I read uh, a, bit, a while back remarking about how uh, so many of the older generation, uh, when they pass away, they leave their, leave their possessions to their children, and large amounts of it is simply finding its way to St. Vincent de Paul or whatever kind of thrift store is uh, available in the local area, because they look at these things and they go, well, I know so-and-so treasured this, but doesn't really fit my style, you know, or this, is, this isn't something that, that I personally value. And, you know, these, these senses in which, you know, the, the person may mean something to us, but the things given, not so much. And so sometimes they'll be kept for a time just to, to kind of symbolically honor the gift, you know, honor the, the thing that's given, and to, to hold on to it as a, a sign of respect uh, for the giver of that gift. But then, inevitably, at some point, they'll It'll find its way somewhere else on down the line, on down the road to a new home, a new place. I was reflecting on that, and those, those particular realities came to mind as we're reflecting specifically on this, this statue of the child Jesus. It's a little flat, a little flat part on the back of, of the Lord where he nestles properly into the crib. And if he was at my grandmother's house, he would definitely have masking tape and a name on the bottom of him. And I was reflecting on just that reality that how some people 
would love to receive Jesus. Some people long to receive him. Some people have have recognized the gift that Jesus is and rejoice to have him with them. Rejoice to receive the coming of the Savior, to proclaim with good news his nativity today, and to live his faith all throughout the course of the year. Stick closely to his teachings, to rejoice in his things, to honor those who have gone before them, celebrating the, the faith that's been passed down generation to generation to generation down to us today, some 2,000 years later in a Christian faith. But there are also those who the, pay, the faith has been given to them, and in so many ways they've said, eh, it's not really my style. We'll hold on to it for a little bit, and we'll kind of give it a, give it a, little, a little nod, you know, to, to honor those who have gone before us, but this isn't something that I want to keep around my home. And this is a great lamentation that so many have not truly understood who Jesus Christ is, what he has done for us, and what he desires to do for us. Jesus Christ is, as St. John's Gospel just spoke to us and reminded us, he is the one who is the Word made flesh. He is the one who's the refulgence of the glory of God, the one through whom all things were made and without whom nothing was made that was made. He's the one by whom all things continue to exist. He is, as philosophers would call him, that than which nothing greater can be thought, the first mover, beauty, truth, and goodness itself, from which all truth, beauty, and goodness derive some of their nature, a participation in him. He is the Almighty God, the creator of everything, who created us not out of necessity but out of love, who had no need of us and yet desires us. He wants us for his home, even though his home is complete in himself, even though he has no lack, no need, nothing missing that we ourselves often experience. He has everything he needs. In fact, he needs nothing. And yet, he has gone to such great lengths to create the universe, to create the heavens and the earth, and to populate it with all kinds of wonderful creatures, and the crown of creation, the human person. All of this, a sign of the love of God. This is who Jesus Christ is. No mere teacher, no mere good example or just an interesting character in, in, in history. No man who, who gives us some, some fascinating reflections or was just a, a really kind soul. They were just really just, you know, was incredibly merciful beyond what most people see like a, a Mother Teresa on steroids type of thing. So many people reduce Jesus to simply being a good man. And if we think that Jesus is only a man, we take away our salvation because we strip him of the reality that he is the only true God as well. He is, in fact, both true God and true man. We profess it every week in the creed. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He is the one who continues to sustain us. And this is what he has done for us. 
that he continues to give us life. If at any single moment the Lord would cease to think of us, would cease to love us, we would cease to exist wholly and entirely. Like the universe would not even have a speck of existence that that hinted at us. Every single moment, the Lord is mindful of us, attentive to us, sustaining us, encouraging us, giving his life to us. And not only that, he calls us to a greater life, not merely a human life, a, a, a life where we can enjoy the things of this world, but, but to allow that life to become something even greater, a supernatural life, a life that leads us not simply to, to enjoy the good things here for a good long time, but to enjoy God himself the fullness of all joy forever, for eternity. Eternity is not something that we can really even wrap our heads around because we are bound by time. And we only get a little bit of it, really. If we were able to fill the whole world with books, if we filled the, if we filled the world with books, just stacked them up one against the other, pressed them all against each other so that we had to stand on top of the things and we stacked it two miles high, increased the world size by who knows how much. If we did all of that, eternity, the, eternally, it, it, it is far beyond that. And our understanding of existence, our understanding of forever, would be like the first letter of the first page of a single book. And eternity is all the rest so far beyond our understanding. And this is what the Lord God comes to bring us to. Not to allow us simply to endure a life of suffering and sadness. Not to allow us to endure this earthly life and to say, well, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and we have nothing else to look forward to. But rather, to recognize that the Lord can bless us here and now and desires to bless us and to lead us to eternal joy that follows The word has indeed become flesh for us. He came among us and took on our human nature. Not simply as a a sort of filling out an equation of humanity plus sin plus Jesus equals salvation. Some kind of, you know, disinterested thing. But out of a desire to, to enliven us. And those that have not, those that have, have received the gift of Christ, but have not yet received it in a sense of of knowing the value of the gift. Those who perhaps have kind of kept it on the top shelf of a closet for a while and said, we'll keep it here for a bit. We'll give it a kind of a wink and a nod every now and then to, you know, a a little, a little hat tip to Jesus, but not really allowing him to, to mean something in our daily life, have not received the fullness of what Christ desires to offer to us. It is much that the Lord offers to us, a transformation, not just of a bit of our time, but all things, everything. I've been reflecting much this year on a book entitled Personal Prayer by Father Boniface Hicks and Father Thomas Acklin. And one of the basic premises of the book is an encouragement for people to pray as humans. Simple enough gesture. Simple enough, you know, encouragement. I mean, how else should we pray? But it's their starting point to this, this series of meditations is that very often whenever we, when we go to seek our Lord, whenever we go to pray specifically, we believe that we are supposed to pray like angels. 
that we're not supposed to be distracted, that we're not supposed to have emotions, that we're supposed to be just kind of, uh, you know, nice and, and calm and serene in everything that we do, that we're not supposed to have anything that's, you know, kind of disturbs us in any way, shape, or form, that we just need to be angelic. And he says, and this is our understanding of prayer, we do ourselves a great disservice because prayer is not the absence of all of our humanity, it's bringing all of our humanity and immersing it in the good Lord. Bring all of ourselves to Jesus. It's to bring our senses. That's why with the beautiful, beautiful gift of, the, of our Catholic faith is that we have so many things that are very sensual, very tactile, that we, that we kind of overwhelm our senses sometimes. We have the beautiful music and the, the Christmas trees and the lights and the, uh, the, the reeds and the, the banners and all of these things, the stained glass and, and the, the, the bells at mass, the incense, which continues to overwhelm my sinuses and I have to take more Benadryl later for, but totally worth it, y'all. But the Lord comes and, and, and sanctifies these things to sanctify us. And not only that, but, but whenever we pray, it's to us, for also not to just to, to bring our, our senses that are our, you know, our exterior senses, wherein we're able to hear things and be edified, or you know, able to smell things and, and have our heart lifted up to the Lord, but rather even to experience the things with our interior senses. The emotions are part of that. Our memory, our will, our intellect. These are parts of our humanity that the Lord God has not kind of set aside as something not worthy of himself. But these things too, he uses to enliven them, to sanctify them. Using our intellect to be able to come closer and closer to he who is truth itself. To allow our emotions to well up within us so that what could have been just an ordinary occasion of, of mere human joy is by the gift of our faith exalted to something even higher a virtue of joy, a gift of the Spirit. These things come to us, and the Lord God desires to lift us, all of us, our whole person, closer into himself. But the Word was made flesh not just for our times of prayer. He was made flesh for every aspect of our daily life. Because the Word has been made flesh, human work has value and spiritual significance, and can sanctify us and increase holiness of life within us. The same goes for our home life and the ways in which we tend to our home, care for our family and for our friends, minister to those who are in need around us when the Lord presents them to us. Every last thing around us is an opportunity where God desires to speak in some way to himself or of himself to us. Unless you think that that's kind of a bit off, I have a book in the sacristy called The Roman Ritual. It's the book of blessings for the church. And in that book, there are, of course, the things such as the blessing of an Advent wreath, the blessing of a nativity, the blessing of candles, uh, the blessing of, you know, the uh, various things that we experience in the life of the church. But there are also fantastic things in there like the blessing of worms, the blessing of beer, the blessing of an electric dynamo, which for years has been a mystery to me, but last night I was told it's simply a generator under a different name. Cool. There's a blessing of cars, the blessing of trains, the blessing of boats, 
the blessing of seed, the blessing of the fruits of the harvest, the blessing of tools for daily labor, all kinds of things. And it's because, again, Mother Church recognizes that that God is not just interested in a little piece of our life whenever we come to church or whenever we go to pray or whenever we're doing some specific work of mercy. God is interested in every last bit of our life. And he wants us to remember that he has changed it, that he has elevated it to something far beyond what it was before because he has united humanity to God himself the divine, and what a mystery. And so the invitation for us today is to take the gift of faith that we have received, take the gift of Jesus Christ, the infant born for us 2,000 years ago, and to receive him into our hearts, there to make a place for him, that he might be able to stay with us, remain with us, abide in us, and we with him. Not simply to allow him to be kind of a, a nice thing that others have cherished, or rather someone whom we have received who has shown us a fullness of life that we would never have had otherwise, could never have expected or asked for. May God grant us this grace by this Holy Eucharist, by this Holy Mass, and by the so many ways which the Lord comes to reveal himself to us today, but especially in his nativity.